Today is Saturday, May the 21st, 2016, and this is the Hillcrest Duo, episode number 34. I am Metal John, at Metal John Radio on Twitter, and joined with me, as always, Brad Risto. I am an outsider, Brad, on Twitter. Hello, all, and welcome. And today we have a triple feature. We have special guest, Cousin Stan, joining us. Welcome, Ooh. welcome. I'm glad to be back on the show, guys. Who he has, has no, no Twitter. So, yeah, no social No, media. no. No social life whatsoever. Out in the boonies, we don't have that Twitter machine, you know? We ain't got that out there. Nope. No uh, Twitter out where he lives. Yeah. Uh, coming up uh, in the near future, we're going to have uh, a, a good wrap-up show of some of our TV shows. Also, X-Men Apocalypse opens. But this week, this episode, we're going to focus on uh, a particular category, coming-of-age movies. And this whole idea kind of spawned because 30 years ago, in 1986, two of the biggest coming-of-age movies opened up. uh, The one, obviously, Ferris Bueller's Day Off opened June 11th, 1986, Mm -hmm. celebrating its 30th anniversary here soon. And also released in 1986, one of my personal favorites... Lucas, which yeah. was released March 28th, 1986. So two movies celebrating 30-year anniversaries. So we're going to talk about those two movies and share some of our favorite yes. coming-of-age movies. We're all 80s kids. We were born yeah. in the 80s. We, uh, we've we got a lot of connection to coming-of-age movies. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like some of the best ones came out in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, there's been a couple of good ones here over the last couple of years. i got a few on my list that uh, we'll go through. But I... I agree. I just want to tell you one thing. I know I'm going to say something on this show that is going to make our listeners hate me. You um, uh, hated on um, uh, Civil War, which probably brought out the torches in um, uh, Pitchforks. Mm. I am going to be lynched. They're going to bring the noose for me for what the things I'm going to say in this show because I know the uh, movie will be brought up, and I am going to say things that will make people angry. Well, I know I'm not the only person that – wasn't a huge fan of Civil War. I'm not saying I hated the movie. I'm just saying it wasn't what all the hype lived up to be. But that's my opinion, and that's we'll, we'll get back into that some other future podcast. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. Um, anyway, so let's talk about the two movies that are celebrating 30 anniversaries. We'll go with the biggest of the two. We'll start off Ferris Bueller's Day Off, opened June 11th, 1986. Matthew Broderick. It's a John Hughes film, obviously yeah. filmed... Uh, in, in part of it's uh, filmed in California. The Bueller residence actually filmed mm-hmm. in uh, Long Beach, but Cameron's house was filmed in Highland Park, Illinois, uh, Glenbrook uh, North High School, and uh, of course a lot of locations in the downtown Chicago yeah. Loop, just uh, about 25 miles from where we tape this podcast. Yeah, and I guess I get to take out the um, um, pitchforks right now. I think it's the worst coming of age film ever. I'm not a fan of it either. I think it's an in- Entirely entertaining film, but as a coming of age film, it's for crap. Yeah, I I'm not wow. a fan of it. Well, okay, Stan. what's like wrong with it being a coming of age film? Name one thing, just one thing Ferris learns in this movie that makes him grow as a person. What does Ferris learn that makes him grow as a person? Yes, what does Ferris he- isn't the person. You're confusing the film to begin with. Ferris is actually the character that the that they want to be. Ferris is. This mindset of, oh, wait, wow, wait, wait, if wait. I wasn't this, I would be that. 
So you're going with the um, theory that Cameron um, yes. invented Ferris as an alter ego. Yes, Cameron wishes he was Ferris, Cause not that Cameron. Because that See? is one of the um, big fan theories out there is that Ferris never really existed. Because, let's face it, this guy never learns a damn thing. In real life, this is what would have happened. Obviously, um, the principal gets fired. His sister gets into trouble. Cameron probably got killed by his dad when he got home because the car got wrecked. And or probably, arrested. Or arrested. And so he probably knocked up Sloan, did Ferris. Yeah. Let's, let's face it. And then he just bailed. Gotta go, because, let's face it, he was on his way home when he was running. He has a committed girlfriend, sees two ladies sunbathing. Hey, ladies. I know I'm in your backyard and you don't know me, but That's why, my name's Ferris. That's why Cameron wishes he was Ferris. Well, Cameron got together, killed by his dad. Together. So it's his, it's his imaginary alter ego. Yes. So you're going with that I, 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 I guess He's I can the, see that. I I've see never, to be honest with you, I've never thought about that. Oh, well, yes. I mean, right. I've watched the movie. I mean, there's a couple of good laughs in it. Yeah. It's just not. It's a to fun me, ride. Yeah. To me, I, a but lot, of those, a a lot of those thing. 80s movies that people put in that same category as the Ferris Bueller's, like 16 Candles, mm-hmm. Breakfast Club. We'll talk about some of those later. But yeah. I'm just saying that, like, to me, those, they don't hold a candle in the wind to the movies I like. Well, at least in those ones, the characters learn things and grow as people. Yeah. In this one, Ferris um, blows off school, gets away with it, and ends up better for it. Also, he got to um, dance on a float in a parade for no reason. Yeah. I, what I, would I, happen if the three of us tried to get on that float? We'd be arrested. And what? <laughs> and in Chicago, if we were African-American, we'd be shot 16 yeah. times. Of course. Stop resisting! I, I would say another thing that I disliked about this movie, a big turnoff for me, is I just hate seeing that kid in the Red Wings jersey running around Chicago. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> God damn that. it, um, uh, Cameron. You're a Chicagoan and you're wearing a Red Wings jersey. You're a horrible human being and you deserve it when um, you're to die when your father gets home and finds out you wrecked his car. All right. Well, the whole idea of this podcast wasn't to just roast the movies we dislike, but we got the one we disliked out of the way. Yes. So Although let's... Stan liked it because Ferris um, does learn. It's actually it's Cameron. It's Cameron who learns, not Ferris. Ferris yes. doesn't exist. Cameron's yeah. the star. Well, there's a Ferris Fest going on in Chicago actually this weekend. Oh, we should have um, gone there. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of festivities, and I'm sure as June approaches here in the coming weeks that uh, some movie theaters will probably be showing this as a throwback, yeah. uh, celebrating the 30th anniversary. But another 30th anniversary film that honestly is, if I was to come up with the top two or three of my coming-of-age movies, this is right up there on the top. Oh, yeah. Lucas came yes. out in March 28th, 1986. Corey Haim, hands down, Corey best film Haim. ever. That's Corey Haim's best film ever. Better than License to Drive, better than all of his other... <laughs> wait, hidden... wait, better than License to Drive? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, it's a great um, uh, flick for him. I mean, that's obviously the one that made him uh, and uh, the um, uh, one of the two Corys that everybody knew. Yep. Uh, and and Cor- him and Corey Feldman. Another. This was also filmed in Illinois, filmed in Glen Allen, Arlington Heights, Wilmette, uh, the Arlington High School, Glenbard West High School, and pretty cool location, the movie theater, the Glen Art Movie Theater. Yeah. I've been to it several times. I usually go about once a year. I go see a movie there. Cool. They show some new releases, but they show a lot of the art house movies. Like, um, mm-hmm. That's where I went to go see Room like when it first came out. Right, like, no, before it, was it became playing, big. Yeah, yeah. Before it became the big movie. That movie theater still looks exactly the same as it does in that movie. Like The concession awesome. stand is still the same. The outdoor, the marquee, the lobby, everything is still exactly got, the same as well, it appears in this movie. When you're in Lucas. an iconic film, you got to keep your um, uh, 
the aesthetics up, especially now. I mean, they can't change it. Yeah. Well, and this movie, too, isn't among the really popular coming-of-age movies. This no. isn't one that a lot of people know. Like you could say, have you ever seen Lucas? And people are like, I don't know. And then you maybe show them a little bit, and they're like, I think I might have saw that. But it's not one of those ones that well, it's more, a lot of people know about. It's not really a crowd-pleaser. It's a more poignant, quiet film as opposed to the obnoxious nature of Ferris Bueller. Now, you watch this for the first time, right? Uh, no, I didn't watch it for the first time. I just don't hadn't seen it in ages. Oh. So I had to be refreshed. That's my problem is I've seen – it's one of those things like, yeah, I know it. I just don't know I know it. Yeah. I mean I, I the cast is great in this movie too. When you when you watch it and you see yeah. how young – like a young Charlie Sheen, Winona Ryder. You see like these young – Young Charlie Sheen. Oh. And Carrie Green who I, – I mean in the 80s between doing Lucas and the Goonies. Yeah. Like she did some pretty – she did some awesome movies. She was hot too. Yeah. And – I haven't really even seen or heard anything of her in the last well, like some, decade. Sometimes you just do, make your mark and then you just disappear. Yeah, but um, you know, overall the the storyline in this movie, I think what what makes it really great too is you know, it's maybe more targeted to to boys than it is girls, no doubt. But uh, we're all but boys. you know, it's about just kind of being like that awkward teenager trying to uh, trying to you know. Fit in. Fit in, not only that, but, like, you know, you have a crush on a really pretty girl yep. who likes another guy, and mm-hmm. you're stuck in the friend zone, yeah. and you can't get out of the friend zone. And no matter how I, hard I think we've try. all been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially in high school. It seems like in high school you're there more often no, than, it that, seems like, than not. Yeah, I was always the friend, and that sucked. You know, and then, and then they did a really good job making, you know, Charlie Sheen, Chappie's uh, character, um, more of a villain. Even though he really didn't do anything wrong, no. mm-hmm. but they really did portray him as a villain in this movie where you're like, why is this guy like, you know, well, get between Lucas because <laughs> and Maggie, tra- you know? Because he, it, the story's being told from the perspective of Lucas. Yeah. So while the kid, guy did nothing wrong in his mind, he's the villain. And I loved that characterization, actually. And I think, I think one of my, I think one of, one of the most iconic moments in this movie that, that really I love. And and it's and it's cool because it, it's a very honest moment, which is when you know when Lucas is under the bridge there, kind of hiding, and, and Maggie comes and finds him, and and you know Maggie says like, look, you know Lucas, you know you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're one of the best human beings out there, you know she compliments him, and then his response, he just looks at her, and he says, yeah, but it doesn't turn you on. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's so it's such an honest uh. moment because. Man, it makes me think about those times where you really like a girl, and you're like, oh, I really just, like you, but you don't like me, you know? It's why like, don't you like me? You know, this this movie could have looked very different if they did it from uh, Charlie Sheen's uh, character just saying, this guy just keeps kind of showing up. Yeah. And then there's the deleted scene where he uh, takes Charlie Sheen's character and, no, I'm <laughs> the extended cut. you got like cut. a sequel here you're The shooting. extended cut where oh. he takes out Charlie Sheen's character. Who are you? But, uh, I'm Lucas, bitch. <laughs> but no, I, w- I would say this is definitely in one of my tops as far as uh, coming-of-age movies. But, uh, Brad, what's one of yours? I have a couple of them. Um, one of them that uh, obviously spouts right to my mind is just pretty much the classic um, uh, boyhood wonder Stand By Me, the Will Wheaton vehicle with obviously a lot of um, uh, great actors in it. But I'm going to go with the baseball equivalent. I'm going to go with the Sandlot. 
1993 again, yeah. going back to like the late 80s, early 90s. Early 90s, it's just this. Great... And these are movies that came out when yes. we were kids. Like yes. you know, I was 13 I mean, when this came out, what and I would, I would be about 10. So I was at that perfect moment. I was a huge baseball fan. Everything about it just hit the spot for me. It's about this kid. He mo- just moves in. He's a dork. He doesn't know anything about baseball really. But in an effort to make friends, he starts playing, and he be- ends up becoming good. And guess what? But um, the kicker for it, for me especially now, he grows up to be a broadcaster. Yep. Which is awesome. And it, but just all the adventures they have. There's an obvious leader with in Benny the Jet. You have the mythos of the Beast, and then of course forever, forever, forever. <laughs> just a great film that hits all the right spots for a kid's coming-of-age film. It might not have been the teenage coming-of-age film mm-hmm. like Lucas was or even Stand By Me was, but for that pre-teen set, this is just the perfect film to show them, especially mm-hmm. if yep. they're a young baseball fan. Which... Well, not only that, it, 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 it's a movie where I feel like you don't even have to be a big baseball fan to really appreciate well, yeah. you know how, how cool this movie is because it's it takes it takes place over the course of like one summer. Yes. You know, it's one summer, a kid moves into town. Uh I mean and and you know and it's cool because you either you will relate to one of the two main characters. Either yes. you're going to relate to Smalls as being a bit of an outsider mm-hmm. or you're going to relate to Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez who's like the kid that's got friends, but yet he takes other friends under his wings. Because, yes. you know, I mean, I think just when you think about, like, being back on the playground, it's that's like, the, that's were the... you the kid sitting by himself, or were you the kid that had a group of friends, and you saw other kids sitting by themselves, and you did nothing about it? Yes. Benny the Franklin the Jet is the guy that every kid would want to be, just this nice guy that's awesome. Got to put on those Converse to climb the fence. Oh, yeah. You got to put on, <laughs> you got to do it so you can get outrun the dog. Well, I, I mean, when we talk about some of these coming-of-age movies and iconic scenes, I mean, hands down, when you think of The Sandlot, how does the image at the pool not come in your head instantly? That is like, yes. in yep. my opinion, that is one of the most iconic movie scenes ever. Yes. And, and it, for it to come out of this movie, The Sandlot, I mean... It's a, it's just a great film. Squints, I mean, it Squints, was a... Squints is your hero, man. <laughs> oh, Squints was the man... And he grows up to marry her, too. Yes. and Okay. Wendy Peppercorn. Wendy Peppercorn. Oh, okay, Stan. What wow. is your favorite? I think coming? you just hit, like, a really good one, and I love with the Sandlot the way you went with that because, you know what, there's not a lot when you think about it, the preteen. You think of these coming-of-age movies, and most of them are kind of like that teenage, yeah, the high school, the growing up, the relationships, and just kind of the that. moving on because you have – there's just and I that's what I mean I don't think there's a lot of movies that are good like that that coming Child, of age the summer coming yes, of age the movie. childhood yes. to um, a teenager yes. most of it is teenager to adult coming yeah. of age and I think that's where a lot of them fall and that's what they do because it's so easy to write one in that aspect of hey your high school is ending you're moving to college or all the events that happen yes. to you in high school that uh, move on and um, I I kind of pushed the envelope here a little bit on your age gap here because I'm gonna go with 1999. Okay. I'm going to go with American Pie. 
Oh, oh that's yes. a good one. So, I think because you know what, we were all in high school, or you, you were been around just, that age. I would at have been that a point. freshman in high school. That yeah. is per, the, one of yeah. the perfect ones because that is mm-hmm. really about mm-hmm. high school. And because that one actually ended up being a franchise, even it you got to you see them life. growing. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes it even better. And they put some gaps in there with mm-hmm. uh, between. I want to say between the like the, mm-hmm. the the third and the fourth one. Yeah. Yes. You know, and then they had the they they capped it with mm-hmm. the American Wedding. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which. Uh, it ended up I mean all of it I mean that became a cast where it yes. was like you you know if a member of that cast wasn't in the movie you, you know, couldn't do these movies no, no yeah because exactly. it it needed everyone because it also became a franchise where they had different ones but the only ones that matter are the American Pie one American Pie two and that American wedding those are the only three that matter mm-hmm. yeah the the three. Yeah, once you get away from them, yeah, you do lose it. But, I mean, just the whole – you have the awkwardness of high school. Yes. The whole – again, as you said, you know, the whole, oh, I'm into this girl. How do I – you know, the whole maturing, coming of age mm-hmm. in that aspect of your life, too, with yourself. And then, you know, it just continues to move on into this whole quest to accomplish this goal before before graduation. And yeah. then where's everyone going to be? and. I mean, without going into the whole franchise, but then, I mean, you have the whole, they went here, this relationship went that way, the yeah. friends don't talk, you know, as you watch the whole franchise, the whole franchise, it's it's really good to maybe show that and sit down, and it's got some laughs, and, you know, mm-hmm. go, hey, this is how life's going to be, there's going to be some people that are going to stick around, there's going to be some people you're going to kind of fade off a little bit yeah. from, and there's also going to be all this other in-between stuff that's going to happen that you got to figure out. So, pop quiz on this, uh, obviously in the first one, uh, Oz... Decides yeah. to mm-hmm. join the choir to try to pick up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, damn, I can't think of her name. Uh, the blonde chick. He, mm-hmm. he you yeah. know, uh, he, he joins, choir chick is what her nickname was from Stifler. So he joins a choir to pick mm-hmm. up choir chick. Did you ever do something you would never do to try to impress a girl in high school? Hmm, I'm trying to remember now. I, I'm sure I did. Yeah, but nothing like that hardcore and no. dedicated, yeah. you know. Not yeah, really, not, yeah. Like I'm gonna me. join something. Like, I yeah. wouldn't. I, I don't think I joined a single club to try to like. I'm not that dedicated. Catch a girl's yeah. attention. No, never. I didn't have that much drive. He has a lot more drive than I ever will. Maybe not so. <laughs> maybe not in high school. Maybe like in grade school or like junior high. If there was like a girl, I was like, oh, she likes to play soccer. I think I'm gonna go play soccer. You gotta join you the know? track team because yeah. she's on the track team. You oh, know, like, yeah, hey, yeah. I gotta do track. I gotta go start running just for the heck of it, so I can be this girl. Uh, let's talk about Stand by Me though. There's a, there's another one that yes, uh, I think a- we can all agree that might be. It's Even, another summer one. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it's it's definitely the foundation for for you know coming of age movies as far as oh, our yeah. generation goes. Mm-hmm. You know, came out there in the eighties, and it was just one of those movies where you saw it as a kid and you thought it was so cool and funny. Yeah, and and then you watch it as an adult, and you're like, man, this is like a great movie about just remembering your childhood and, yeah. and like kind of holding on to some of those key moments where, you know, I I mean, I could. I I was I relate maybe more to this movie than any other just because yeah. I had the group of neighborhood friends mm-hmm. and we did things together like we you found a dead body no we didn't find <laughs> a dead body but like we went on little adventures together even yes. if it was to In walk even if it was to yeah. walk down to the schoolyard and, mm-hmm. and you know play on the weekends or something we had yeah. our adventures and that's what this movie's more about but yes I agree it's funny though when you watch as an adult because like. Kiefer Sutherland plays like the villain, the bad guy, but like he's like such a nerdy bad guy 
that he's not like a true bully. No, he's <laughs> he's an well, 80s he's, bully. He's I taking guess. on a he's taking on a group of um, uh, I suppose grade schoolers, high schoolers, eighth graders, and losing. Yeah, I mean, and, and this movie ha- obviously River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, Corey Feldman in this movie, Jerry O'Connell, some really really big names. Yeah, big names from that time. Some of them are still relatively big. Obviously, Jerry O'Connell still big. Yep. Will Wheaton, fun to follow on Twitter, and Corey Feldman has kind of disappeared, and unfortunately, we lost River Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, and let's talk about some of the iconic scenes. We talked about the the pool scene at, at the Sandlot. This, I mean, how do you not say the train tracks? The it's, train! The, the train tracks is by far the most iconic scene. It's the iconic scene. It's been... Uh, it's not even the best scene in the movie. No, it's, it's just it's the been, most iconic it's one. It's the most iconic scene. It's been parodied dozens upon dozens of times. It's just one of the most um, iconic scenes in all of cinema, I think. Yeah. Not yeah. just in this movie. I, in cinema, it is just one of those scenes that everyone knows. They um, There are people now who have seen, like, Family Guy and all sorts of other um, uh, productions where mm-hmm. they uh, parody the, the train, train the scene. The railroad, yeah. And they've never seen Stand By Me. They don't mm-hmm. know what they're seeing. Yeah. Well, and, and what's great about this movie, too, and what I think separates this movie from a lot of other coming-of-age movies is that... Stand By Me is one of the hardest movies to explain why it's a coming-of-age movie. Yeah. Because the the overall plot is, yeah, a group of kids, you know, they they, they hear a rumor of, you know, a, a, of a dead body, and, and they decide to go on a, an all-day adventure and, and go on a hike to go find this dead body. And yet, it's, it's really, the movie's nothing about the dead body. The no. whole movie's got, like, this much deeper meaning to it. That could really only be understood by watching it and really observing it, and and I think that that's what's awesome about this movie is that you can't, it's it means something different to everybody, but yet at the end of the day when you means watch it, I I can't help but watch it and just reflections of my childhood and running around in the yard and running around the neighborhood and getting into trouble and yeah we we know a bad kid lives in that house stay away from that house stay away from that block you know it's like doing your best to avoid the bullies because you know where they are in your neighborhood i mean it's really a fantastic one of those fantastic movies and and you know by far you can understand why a lot of people would say that's the best coming of age yes now before we continue on as we are probably coming up to the close soon as you're going to get into some of your more recent ones I want to bring up one of the coming-of-age films that's with a twist, and both of them star John Cusack. <laughs> There's two really good ones out there that star him that are both coming-of-age films. One of them is Gross Point Blank, which is about an assassin returning home for his high school reunion. Yep. And the other is High Fidelity, which is basically Ooh, the... I got another one. Well, a third. There's a third. Well, I'll let you oh, get to that one. High Fidelity is basically the story of a guy who never really came of age. He remained the high school idiot and never grew up. So you have this coming of, belated coming-of-age film, which I think is the one I enjoy more also because, you know, I'm a music guy and owning a uh, record store would be awesome. Yeah. And then, of course, obviously every scene in that movie that Jack Black completely steals is amazing as well. Because yeah. he steals every scene he's in. Yeah, well, the third one, too, that, um, you know, this one is one of those under-the-radar ones, but Say Anything from 1989. Yeah. John Cusack, the Cameron Crowe movie. Um, but you that, know, but that a, one's more of actually a regular teenage one because he's yeah. still a teenager. I was No, going... he's still a teenager, and, I mean, and that one kind of deals with the whole, like, you know, learning. And, right. And this is funny because we talked about American Pie, and this sort of has mm-hmm. an American Pie element to it where – 
he's kind of the bad kid. He's the party animal, you yeah. know, and and yet he meets a girl that's the complete opposite, and you know, and he wants to change to get her to mm-hmm. like him, and yeah. you know. Nowadays, though, if you hold a radio up above your head and playing a song outside <laughs> of again, house, probably you will probably end up in jail. Once again, I'm the stalker <laughs> when I do that. Uh, but, um, going back to Gross Point and Plank, that's just a fun one because it's uh, assassin coming back, and you have this coming-of-age story paired with an out, some outrageous action scenes. Yeah. Well, Opposite and, and, funny Dan Aykroyd. Not to mention, they did a. I, I think that movie's got some of the best writing because yeah. you could easily do a movie about returning home to your high school mm-hmm. reunion. Yes. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. other movies like Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's kind of like a goofball comedy. Uh, we've seen a lot of those, but this one kind of feels really serious. Yeah. But they did a great job of saying, yeah, we're going to kind of give it that serious feel, but we're also going to give it that not-so-seriousness by having – John Cusack playing assassin, yes. and his rival assassin is also coming to town, and they're trying to kill each other. But at the same time, he's trying to like also revisit an old flame yes. in town, and you know, and, and yet he's always got his guard up because you know he's because he's an assassin, and people are trying to kill him. I mean, that's yeah, it's, it's such one of those this, uh, great written movies. I mean, it's a basic idea. Was the basic idea was okay? We're going to do the high school reunion coming of age. Like, okay, what's so, so special about it? Well, the guy coming back for his high school reunion is an assassin. Uh, how mm-hmm. could how could you not make that movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I mean, some of the other '80s ones. What about Breakfast Club? What is your take on Breakfast Club? I, you know what? We agreed the, on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Me and Brad agree that probably not like a great coming of age movie, and and we're, it's not just a movie that we're big fans of. I mean, I like it. I'll watch it when it's on, yeah. but I'm not in love with it. I feel the same about Breakfast Club. It's I'm just okay. Not, I'm not into it as much as some people. Are. At least on that one, you know, the, they grow up, they realize they're all just people and all um, uh, basically the same. So that one at least has a poignant and uh, understandable message. But you know, it's just bog standard. I mean, everything. Uh, I mean, the reason why John Cusack films have become so um, uh, formulaic is because he he created the formula. It's just to us that it, ju- it just seems standard now. Is it yeah. too with some of them? Because I'm noticing, like the further back you guys go, they're more the kid. Like the, you can relate to the character still to this day because yes. you were a kid in those ages. So maybe back then you didn't love it as much as you would now because you were a kid. You watch right. it, you can see the same, you know, the same products. You remember that. You see the shows, the shoes, and all that. That's the stuff you had. It's what you did. So mm-hmm. it like all rings a bell. Where when you get into the high school kids in the 80s, it doesn't really ring a bell because it's like. I wasn't there. I don't get it. I needed them more into the 90s point. where I could relate to them and understand what they were doing. And and that's perfect because I wanted to, another movie I wanted to bring up is from 1991, My Girl. I was 11 My when that girl. came out. Macaulay. Yeah, Macaulay. I mean, Macaulay Culkin, Anna Klumski. And by the way, I was 11 when this came out. Anna Klumski, also same age as me, born in the same year as me. So this isn't creepy, but I thought she was hot. When I was a kid and watched this movie – she was the type of girl I liked at 11, 12 years old. Like, that was my type of girl. Just, like, a tomboy girl that was cute and, like, climbed trees and, like, did did fun stuff. Lived in a funeral home. <laughs> yeah, but, Dad I mean, was it, Dan just, like, just like one of those girls, like, full of adventure. Like, yeah, I mean, I get those that. are my type of, like, the type of girls that I hung out I with just remember, when I was I younger. just remember wanting to see it because, obviously, he was also, I think this came out after... Home Alone, so he was fresh off that, and he was America's sweetheart. Yeah. 
And I just remember seeing it thinking, oh, this isn't exactly what I thought it was, but I remember enjoying it. I was still probably a little too young back then because I would only been nine. This, this is one I think I, I I rewatched this one last year. I think it was on cable, and I was like, "Holy cow! I haven't seen My Girl in a long time." Dark. I'm gonna rewatch mm-hmm. it, and yeah, it's it is dark because mm-hmm. I mean it's sort of told from her point of view. Yes, and yet it has a lot of Macaulay Culkin involved mm-hmm. into it too because you know it's it's it, it, I think they did a really good job at kind of giving you both both point of views and. What was great about that is the fact that you get, you know, uh, when you watch it as an adult now, you see a lot more adult humor in it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, some some people could kind of relate to, you know, a single parent or, uh, you know, having parents that are divorced. But, you know, I, I from an 11-year-old girl standpoint, you know, I, who's this new girl coming mm-hmm. around, you know? And, right. And, and I, lo- I just love that scene at the carnival, the bumper cars, where – <laughs> young uh, Veda's her name. She's like bramming into like J.V. Lee Curtis and just giving her the dirtiest looks, like with mean looks. I'm like, like you bitch. <laughs> I, mean, I love it, man. That was that. I was in tears laughing at that scene. That is one of the funniest scenes of that movie. That isn't meant to be funny. It's just the look on her face as she's ramming her with a bumper car. Ugh, such an awesome movie. But it um, is. you know, a couple of the other like high school related movies. You know. Um, I guess, uh, you know, one to kind of bring up from more recently, The Spectacular Now, which came out in 2013. That was a great movie. Miles Teller's in it, and Shyland Woodley's in it. By the way, Shyland Woodley shows the goods in that movie. Well, you're trying to sell it. Um, but, no, that's it, it's more of a modern version to say anything, because he's kind of like uh, – Miles Teller plays like a young party kid, and she's like a new girl that moves to town. She reads books in her front yard and, like, really doesn't – like socialize much and he Who reads comes books? he comes across her and and they become friends and then he try and mm-hmm. he kind of changes for her so mm-hmm. that was you know sort is, of like a modern day you know say anything remake right. is, is what that I, is what I would put it kind of a pretty good thing because if you go back to 2009 Adventureland similar setup there too oh, yeah. Yeah. you know when you kind of look back with the same setup there another you know, summer story yeah, which is nice you had the guy he was supposed to go away for Europe he was kind of and then all of a sudden he ends up meeting up with these coworkers he's trying different things learning all this other mm-hmm. aspects so that theory seems to work on a lot of different levels and no matter where you put it in yeah yeah. So and, I mean, in uh, another one from 2000, 2013 actually had a couple of good ones. Another one I liked, and I probably like this one more than Spectacular Now, is The Way Way Back. Did you see that? You see, I um, Sam Rockwell is in it. I have not seen a, any of those teenage ones in ages. I guess, I guess that's part of the problem with these coming of age ones. After you come of age, at some point, um, they lose their um, ability to reach you. Well, no, I, yeah, I think no, they can I, still reach you, but I think. Some of them sometimes don't quite click. Well, they're not going to be as powerful as when you were that age and you're watching this and you're seeing this um, Mm -hmm. character go through the same issues you're dealing with right now and see that um, there is a way to deal with it. Or even if I'm uh, like when you're 20, like I remember dealing with that. That only happened three years ago. It's still fresh. At this point, I'm old, I'm jaded, I'm scarred, and <laughs> um, I just don't have those feelings anymore. See, I'm one of those people where I still hold on to my, my youth and my childhood, and 
And I still like, I still daydream and think about. So these movies kind of bring that stuff out, and That's awesome. you know, and the way way back is one of those movies. A fourteen year old kid, he's on summer vacation, trying to fit in with a bunch of people he doesn't want to be around. Sam Rockwell is like the older like man child, probably a character. If we watch this now, Brad, we would almost more or less relate to Sam Rockwell's character. Yeah. You know, he, you know. Not saying that well, he's managing the water park. Yeah, he manages the water park. He's bossing the kids around, and yeah, all he does is like smoke weed all day. Yeah, That's exactly. basically all he's doing. You know, but we relate to him because he's just like this you know, old goofball. He's sort of like a like a hippie kid, you know, like yeah. a, like a big man child. And then this fourteen year old kid who's having trouble fitting in. He's like, all right, man, here's what you got to do. There's a great scene in this movie where Sam Rockwell is running the water slide. So he stands on top, and the kids get in line, and he tells them when to go. So he's got this young 14-year-old kid with him that he's kind of taken under his wings. And he's like, watch, this is what you do. So, like, these, this girl approaches to go down the water slide. And he's like, hold, hold, hold. <laughs> he makes her stand yeah. longer so he can check her out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, go ahead. And a boy comes up. He's like, go. Yeah. Girl comes up, hold, <laughs> hold, hold. Uh, so he teaches the kid how to – he's like, hey. The kid's like, oh, that's a great trick. So, that's awesome. I mean, it's like one of those moments in this movie. It's really great, but – uh, before we wrap up, I do want to bring up another one. I actually, as we were talking about this, I didn't even have it like as a as a thought, and I had to remember the name of the movie, so I just looked it up. There's a movie that came out in 2010. It's called Flipped. It's yeah. a must watch. Write it down. Put it on your Netflix watch. So Flipped is a coming of age movie that is unlike any of these other coming of age movies. It starts off as a, a neighborhood boy and a neighborhood girl. It's told from both point of views, and they both narrate it. So basically, the boy's like, "Oh, a new girl moved into the neighborhood, and she's really cool, and she, you know, she's got, you know, she does this." And then the girl's like, "Then they go from her point of view, and she's like, oh, this boy just moved into town, and you know, and he's kind of dirty or whatever.'" And then as they become teenagers, it's basically like, "Oh, it's 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 both of their thoughts." So it's him saying. Oh, she, you know, she's cool, but like, you know, uh, you know, I like this other girl. And then the girl's point of view is, I wonder if he likes me. Like, I mean, he gives me signs that he likes me. And it's basically told all the way up to their, their 20s. Wow. Yeah, it starts it, it, in 1994 and follows them to 2000. Yeah. That is awesome. And, and it's, and it's basically them growing up and, and, uh, and it's told both point of view. So it's like, when the boy does something, the girl sees it as one thing. The boy sees it as another thing. When the boy does something, he sees it as one thing. Hmm. She sees it as another thing, and it's and it's like a really brilliant movie and and one of the most underrated coming of age okay. movies out now, there. Now, before we close out, there was a fairly um, important coming of age film that came out. I think it was last year, and that was Boyhood. Should have won which, Best Picture, which was the one that was um, uh, filmed in a completely different way than anyone had ever done before and actually had the same actor growing up yeah. telling a story about, about this it took 12 but, years to film that movie but still it was an awesome story and yes it probably should have won best picture that's one that actually got to me and that's the, what i think we should end on unless you have any other thoughts yeah no i i i um i i i love that movie i mean it, Watching, watching these. It wasn't just the main character. It was the the girl played his sister, mm-hmm. his mom. Like they filmed everything over twelve years. Yes. They would film like a little piece every year, and and it wasn't. And it just the way it, 
the way it was edited and, and to like get you permission said, too, to do that over 12 years from a studio had to be nearly impossible. I mean, you're basically watching this kid grow up on, on camera and he's going through all the different phases as yes. a boy that you go through, you know, and, and you kind of mix in the typical family drama, you know, mm-hmm. this, the younger sister drama, you know, and, um, I remember when I first watched this movie, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, how are they going to end this? It's such a great movie, but I feel like you can't come up with, like, there's no way to end this to, mm-hmm. to, to, to satisfy you. And they ended up doing it. Like, I think that final scene in the movie where, you know, where uh, the boy's sitting there with the with, 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 with his, I don't even know if it was his girlfriend, just the girl that they were on that trip with. And they're sitting on that rock in the desert. And, and the girl just looks over it to him and 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 says, you know, you know, it's really powerful scene where she says, you know, people always say seize the moment or does the moment seize us? And that's just kind of how it ends. It's right. just like on a random like question, you well, know, to like, kind of leave you thinking as you walk out of the Sort theater. of like Lost in Translation, what did Bill Murray whisper? Yeah. Oh, I, that was I I'd almost put that a little bit of a coming of age movie. I too. suppose it's about a, an old man co- well, it's the old man coming of age flick. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other really good ones out there where we didn't really get into, but uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Almost Famous, Juno, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, American Graffiti, uh, so many, so good, many good ones out so there. So many good ones out there, but that was some of our favorites, and uh, I'm sure as uh, we come across more, we'll keep them up. But anyways, this has been episode number 34 of the Hillcrest Duo. I am Metal John at Metal John Radio, joined with me. I'm Brad Risto at Outsider Brad. And thanks to Cousin Stan for hanging out with us. Thanks for letting me pop in, guys. Yep, and uh, we'll be back uh, coming soon. We'll have your X-Men Apocalypse movie review. We'll wrap up Gotham and a couple of the other TV shows that have their finales on the air next week. 